You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. A lot to talk about this week. Spygate has been confirmed by the Attorney General of the United States in sworn testimony. I'll talk about that and the hysterical left-wing reaction to their criminal spying operation being exposed. Plus, Judicial Watch has uncovered new cover-up documents, literally cover-up documents tied to the Clinton email server. And you will not believe the information I have to give to you about the U.S. government's involvement in massive transfers of wealth by illegal aliens to Mexico. Uh, Just incredible information, and of course only here at Judicial Watch will you learn about it. First up is the big news this week uh, from sworn testimony by the Attorney General of the United States, William Barr, who was sworn in relatively recently. And he's been up on the Hill, and of course the left is upset with him because uh, they're pretending to come up, uh, they're they're pretending to be concerned about his failure thus far to reveal the uh, full Mueller report. Now, he testified that he's going to reveal what he's able to reveal with appropriate redactions. And, and if Congress wants to discuss those redactions with him, he'll be happy to redact, uh, discuss them. Uh, so that's kind of a more straightforward process, despite all of the uh, Democratic uh, noise designed to distract from the fact that Mueller has concluded there was no collusion, there was no evidence of collusion. Again, there was no collusion between the Trump campaign, President Trump, and the Russians to try to steal the elections. It was all a lie. That's, the jet, that's essentially the conclusion of the Mueller report. Now, the Mueller called it a lie? I doubt he has, uh, but that's the conclusion I draw. Uh, so you can imagine the left wants to talk about anything but that. But I have to say, even I've been struck by the irrational, I don't even know what the word is, response to one of Barr's testimonies last week, specifically this week, specifically to the Senate subcommittee, on I think on appropriations, they were he was talking about uh, his budget, and of course they were asking him about Spygate, and uh, a Democratic senator said, "Well, do you think there was spying?" And he said, "Yes, there was spying on the Trump campaign." Now he wants to know whether or not it was appropriate or not, whether it was an appropriate predicate for the spying, but he thought it was a big deal that they were spying on a presidential campaign. And uh, he has questions about what went on. Some of the questions you've heard raised repeatedly here at Judicial Watch and virtually nowhere else. Specifically, he was concerned why President Trump and his team was not briefed on the fact, or then-candidate Trump and his team, that there were lower-level aides who potentially may have had improper ties to the Russians. Or so the Obama gang was pretending to be concerned about. And if they were concerned about it, why didn't they brief the candidate or his top people about it? And we know that those type of briefings have taken place before. I've highlighted to you back in the day during the Chinagate scandal when the Chinese communists were trying and successfully to buy off the Clinton administration and other elected officials that the FBI got wind of this activity and went and briefed California Democrats, including Senator Dianne Feinstein, about it. As a warning, look, they're trying to compromise you with donations and influence you with donations. You've got to be on the lookout. They did nothing similar with uh, President Trump or then-candidate Trump. So the attorney general is doing an investigation as to why this spying operation took place 
targeting President Trump. Yeah, and, I, and, and obviously he was a candidate at Trump when it started. But remember, the spying continued during the Trump presidency, and I'll get into that later. So the immediate reaction from the left wasn't to say, well, there may have been spying, but it was appropriate. They're arguing whether there was spying or not. And I frankly don't know what to say in response to that. That, to me, it's like talking to a crazy person. Yes, the sun is in the sky. Yes, there was spying on the presidential campaign of, President, of uh, candidate Trump. James Comey, the corrupt and dishonest FBI director who the president of the United States did a national favor in firing, he says, well, you know, I, just, I considered it surveillance, not spying. But that's crazy town. That's crazy talk. And it suggests that there's something there they're desperately seeking to hide. Because they recognize politically to say that the Obama administration spied on the Trump campaign is to condemn the activity. Because they know that you know there's no reasonable basis for the Obama administration to take the unprecedented step of spying on the candidate of their political opposition. There was never a good faith basis to do so. And even if there was a good faith basis to do so, they shouldn't have done it. That's why they're upset about it. And they're upset at the idea that the Attorney General of the United States has some questions about it and may do an investigation. Because they know if a real serious investigation is done, Democratic Party operatives will end up in jail. Senior government officials from the Obama administration will end up in jail. The conduct of the President of the United States at the time, Barack Obama, will be the subject of criminal investigations. Joe Biden, Susan Rice, the Democratic National Committee, Hillary Clinton, James Comey, James Clapper, John Brennan, Andrew McKay, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, John Kerry of the State Department. All of them were involved in this spy operation against the president. No doubt it was being run out of the Obama White House. And it didn't stop when the president won the election. It continued. How do I know it continued? Because we received the documents, the FISA warrant applications targeting Carter Page. One of which was signed by Rod Rosenstein after Mueller was appointed. So Robert Mueller was benefiting from this illicit spying on President Trump. It was a spy operation targeting candidate Trump and then President Trump. And it wasn't just the FISA warrants. They were using national security letters, which require third parties to turn over phone records and other documents, business records. That's spying, too. They were using informants to target the campaign and try to entrap individuals associated with the campaign. And then, of course, they had the expansive power under the, freedom, uh, the uh, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act to target with spying Carter Page and the Trump campaign. All of that was spying, and they, know none of, and they know none of it was justified, which explains the irrational attacks on the Attorney General of the United States 
And I hope you've saw his testimony. If you haven't seen it, go back and look at it. Because he comes across as rational, sober. Is he as aggressive as I would want him to be? No, but who would be? But for simply making the unremarkable observation that there was spying, the Democratic establishment and their liberal allies in the media who were complicit in the criminal activity, which not only included the spying, but the leaking of the results of the spying. Violations of law as well. And I just hope that the Attorney General is brave enough and strong enough to pursue a serious criminal investigation here. Because we don't need, you know, the him to be calling up people and saying, well, hey, why did you do this? No, we need prosecutors. We need grand juries. We need all of the hallmarks of a serious criminal investigation to force these people to own up to what they did and explain what they did. You know what? And maybe I'm wrong. There was nothing criminal in any of it. But I don't buy it. I've seen evidence of criminal activity, and I'm not going to ignore it. And I'm not going to pretend the government should ignore it and pretend it's not there and they need six years of investigation. I know there's an IG report coming out. My guess it will be very helpful. It may result to criminal referrals, but who knows? There needs to be a serious prosecution. And I I hope uh, the Attorney General recognizes uh, the need to do it and do it quickly. The president is a crime victim. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. The president is a crime victim. Other targets of this spying are crime victims. And now they don't want us to use the word spying. This is Orwellian attack on the republic. An Orwellian attack on the rule of law. So we are not allowed to say the word spying as it relates to conduct, as it relates to spying. We're supposed to check our brains at the door to protect this Democrat mob operation that was targeted at President Trump. So we'll see when the Mueller report comes out. It should come out within the next week or so, according to Mr. Barr. He and Robert Mueller's team are redacting information, and they're going to have a nice little color-coded chart or uh, color-coded redactions. They're going to redact based on grand jury information, which they can't release under law, so that's not even an argument. There could be executive privileged information that they may have to withhold under law, or it's not discretionary, but it is discretionary, uh, but there's nothing requiring the release of executive privilege information. They'd have to fight over that. And then you've got the privacy rights of third parties or individuals who are not senior officials who got caught up in this. So they may take away uh, redact material related to that. And there's a fourth category that I'm forgetting right now. So it will all be color-coded. So Congress is going to get the benefit of a color-coded redaction process. Uh, Usually when we get redactions, it's all just blacked out. We only get one color at Judicial Watch. But Congress gets four colors. (laughs) So we've asked for this material, and you know I run hot and cold on this because I obviously want the material um, 
that Mueller has the full report, but I recognize the report was a vehicle to try to destroy Donald Trump. Even though it shows no collusion, a key part of it suggests he was involved in obstruction of justice without saying he was involved in obstruction of justice. Another smear job out of the Mueller operation. But that process is going along. I never thought there should have been a Mueller report, but we're going to want to get the documents as well, obviously. Because frankly, I don't trust Mueller to redact this material appropriately. I suspect, and of course no one else will talk about it like this, I suspect there will be redactions designed to make uh, President Trump look bad. So material that will help him will be removed and the public won't be able to see it. I suspect that may be the case. Or I'm worried that may be the case. But I tell you that the reaction, the hysterical reaction to Attorney General Barr telling the the mild truth, the mild truth that spying took place against the Trump campaign uh, is uh, just tells you how much the deep state Democrat establishment has something to hide. It is. and, And and. I should say nothing surprises me in Washington. I like to think that's the case, but I'm always surprised by the corruption in Washington. And there's always new levels of corruption that hadn't occurred before. I mean, we saw that with the worst corruption scandal against in American history with the targeting of President Trump. And now the Democrat establishment and their media acolytes are going to have to defend spying on the Trump campaign. And that's not an argument they want to have because it will lead to, I think, criminal prosecutions if they want to push it. Now, what will happen is that Mueller will do an investigation, and I'm not confident anything significant will be done simply because that's what's happened in the past. And I hope, I hope excuse me, Mueller, not Mueller, but I hope Barr does something substantial here. But Judicial Watch will continue with its independent litigation and lawsuits to figure out what went on. We're asking questions about what Mueller was up to. We want all the page struck material. Next week, we're supposed to get documents about Andrew Weissman's communications. Weissman is the anti-Trumper who is number two under Mueller. We should be getting his emails and texts next week. Well, assuming not all of them have been redacted, of course. So Judicial Watch will continue to do its independent investigations because we don't really trust the Justice Department to do it all. I don't trust Robert Ray. Is it Robert Ray or Christopher Ray? Christopher Ray. Robert Ray, I think, was the former independent counsel. Uh, so uh, FBI Director Ray, let's just be safe there. And the fact that I'm not familiar with his name tells you all you need to know about how effective and present he is here in Washington in terms of standing uh, up to the corruption at the FBI that's been exposed. He's been absent without leave. He's been AWOL on FBI corruption. And, and the few times he talks about it, he's always defending the FBI. So Barr, to the degree he wants to do anything, uh, he's gonna be, it's going to be a lonely fight there at the Justice Department. Because the institutions are aligned against oversight, aligned against accountability, And because of the partisan nature of the institutions, I'm not just saying they're left, they tend to be Democrat at the bureaucratic level, it's going to be a tough slog. 
So we'll be rooting for Mr. Barr to do the right thing, but we won't wait for him to do the right thing. And that's why I'm happy to be working at Judicial Watch, where we can do our own investigations. Again, Judicial Watch has over 40 lawsuits on this very issue, the deep state's conspiracy against President Trump. Spygate has been confirmed this week. The left is in collapse. There may be criminal investigations, but in the, whatever happens, you can trust Judicial Watch to be there to do our own independent investigations on behalf of you, the American people. So uh, some, some uh, major, major revelations this week in that regard. Uh, other major revelations are uh, thanks to, again, Judicial Watch litigation. Over the objections of the Justice Department and the FBI, we had to sue for these records. We received a portion of the investigative file of the FBI into the Clinton email matter. And we received, they came to us last Friday. We got the documents out on uh, Monday. Uh, we received, let's see, 422 pages, 422 pages of uh, FBI records, some emails of Hillary Clinton, the notes that the FBI took, uh, State Department official records about the investigation, the sham investigation into Hillary Clinton's email issue. Uh, and again, you would think I'm not surprised, but I do get surprised time to time. And I, this is an extraordinary... Uh, find a cache of documents because they literally document. When I say literally, meaning they use the word cover-up related to Hillary Clinton's email server. And I'll talk to you about that now. I have the, the release here that talks about the specific documents. I tell you, and I encourage you, it may look like a lot of documents. The fact we had to wait so long for them is outrageous. I think we started suing for them two years ago. And, uh, but I encourage you to go to our website at judicialwatch.org, uh, click on the release related to the um, documents, and download them yourselves and look at them. Maybe you find things that we missed. And those of you who don't like the truth and don't trust Judicial Watch, and um, for partisan reasons, choose to ignore corruption in the Democratic Party or are just suspicious generally because you just don't trust anyone, which is probably a fair, a fair position to have in some respects, don't trust me. Go and look at the documents yourselves and draw your own conclusions. But uh, that's what I love about Judicial Watch because we just put the documents out there and they speak for themselves and they're government documents. So don't trust me. Go look at the documents yourselves. So the, the, the uh, documents came to us last week. They show that there were notes of the FBI. The FBI took notes of an interview with uh, a, a person from Platte River Networks who was one of the vendors involved in providing support for the Hillary Clinton illicit email server. And... Um, and the note and the interview took place in February 2016. By the way, well over a year after the government knew about her illicit email server, they show that Platte River gave someone access to her archive at one point, which is problematic. But the same notes also show that an email from December 11th, 2014 exists that reads, 
Hillary cover-up operation work ticket archive cleanup. Again, this is a quote from FBI notes, Hillary cover-up operation work ticket archive cleanup. The FBI knew there was a cover-up operation related to Hillary Clinton. The interviewee said that the cover-up operation email probably related to a change to 60-day email retention policy backup. He didn't recall the prior, prior policy. So they're, they're pretending that the cover-up operation was they were only keeping emails um, from the prior 60 days, which would have resulted in deletions of tens of thousands of emails. Now, I don't know if this is the email that's referenced in the notes or a separate one, but there's an email that we've specifically found. And, of course, the parties are redacted, so we don't know who said what to who. It's all part of the Hillary cover-up operation, and it had a little smiley face. I'll have to tell you about it at the party. So here we've got two documents demonstrating, literally in black and white, there was a cover-up operation related to Hillary Clinton's email server, and there have been no prosecutions. If that doesn't tell you the Clinton email investigation by the FBI and Justice Department wasn't a sham, I don't know what will. But that's not all in these documents. Again, 422 pages. There's a lot here. I don't even think we put all the good stuff in the release sometimes. There's no way we possibly could. Uh, I was on Sean Hannity, and Sean pointed out quite succinctly, we now have the date when the obstruction of justice occurred. Because the documents show that in March of 2000... Oh, by the way, this cover-up operation, before I get to that, was December 11th, 2014. Why is that an important date? It's less than a week. Um, it's literally around the same time that Hillary Clinton first turned all of her emails, or at least half of them, back to the State Department. And so, at the same time, her vendors are destroying backup records. Now recall, she took 60,000 emails with her. She only returned about half of them, keeping 33,000 of them, and deleting them or attempting to delete or hide them. And here we've got the reason why. It was a cover-up operation. That's how I read it. And then you heard famously about this bleach bit, which is a program to clean hard drives and erase data on them permanently. Platte River Network's use of bleach bit occurred on March 31st, 2015. And as Hannity said, that's the date of the obstruction of justice. I think that's a fair reading of this. Again, Judicial Watch is coming up with this. The FBI has been sitting on this and hiding this from you, the American people. 11.42 a.m. on March 31st is when it was downloaded. So why, again, is March 31st an important date? Well, March 31st was just a few weeks after the Clinton email server was first publicly exposed in the papers. New York Times, Associated Press. Well, and, of course, all of that was exposed because of Judicial Watch's Freedom of Information Act litigation. It was Judicial Watch that uncovered the Clinton emails. It was our litigation that forced the State Department to find and then fess up to the Clinton emails. 
If we weren't asking for the documents, the State Department would never have gone back to Hillary Clinton and said, give us those emails you stole from us. Of course, they didn't say it like that, but that's what effectively had happened. And so within weeks of this information becoming public, they download a program to delete the backup, to delete the, um, the server material. And then, of course, you've got the classified information. Now, the, media, now the FBI only focused, exclu- focused exclusively on classified information and pretended that was the only legal issue. And, of course, they rewrote the law to give Hillary Clinton cover. And, you know, what's so outrageous about this, and I, I'm, I'm not even going to wait to get to it, while they are doing this cover-up operation for Hillary Clinton, because Platte River Network wasn't the only one doing the cover-up. It was the FBI, the Justice Department, the State Department, the other agencies, the Obama White House, they were spying on President Trump, or then candidate Trump, in league specifically with Hillary Clinton's campaign. It's corruption on top of corruption. And the Attorney General of the United States needs to do a two-pronged investigation because the issues are two sides of the same coin. Hillary Clinton's email investigation and the cover-up of it And the Trump spygate scandal are tied. They needed to protect Hillary Clinton. And they needed to work with her to spy on President Trump. They couldn't do that if they were going to prosecute her or people around her. The same Justice Department, the same FBI agent was running the investigation into Hillary Clinton. And Donald Trump at the same time. The corrupt Peter Strzok. And the classified, the, the mishandling of the classified information in these documents that's shown is, is just so dramatic. This is a document from uh, the intelligence community. Intelligence community inspector general discussing concerns over classified information. And the summary is they saw hundreds of classified emails on her system. And in fact, they were concerned that her whole system should have been classified. Did you know that? And I'm going to read you specifically, I'm going to read you this specifically, because no one else in the media will tell you this. While working with this inspector, I have personally reviewed hundreds of documents in the HRC collection. I can now say without reservation that there are literally hundreds of classified emails in this collection, maybe more. For example, there are comments by department staff and emails relating to the WikiLeaks unauthorized disclosures. Many of the emails relating to this actually confirm the information in the disclosures. So what does that mean? Now, the concern was that WikiLeaks, oh, Julian Assange was just arrested this week. I'm sure it's no coincidence uh, that WikiLeaks was sending out classified information. Remember, Chelsea Manning or Bradley Manning at the time, whatever his or her name was at the time, was sending out um, classified information through WikiLeaks, stealing it and sending it out through WikiLeaks. And the government was taking this position at the time. They weren't sure they were going to classify it or admit to it, and they were being cagey for national security reasons. So the emails reference this classified information in WikiLeaks on Hillary's email server. 
And they were concerned. This material is the subject of FOIA litigation. Again, Judicial Watch. And the emails will now have to be found, reviewed, and upgraded. Under EO13526, it will be our right to classify the entire HRC collection at the secret level because of the mosaic effect. Did you hear that? The government could have classified all of Hillary Clinton's emails. And I have to, I'll go again into one second on that. While there may be IC equities in the collection, intelligence community equities in the collection, I'm very concerned about the inadvertent release of State Department equities when this collection is released in its entirety. The potential damage to the foreign relations of the United States could be significant. You had an intelligence official say that Hillary Clinton's email system, which undoubtedly James Comey had said that he assumed it had been hacked. There's no question it had been hacked. Comey was working from the assumption it had been hacked. That the full release of it would be damaging to the United States. And she never was prosecuted. They did a sampling, 40 of the Hillary's 30,000 emails. And of those 40 emails they pulled out, four of them were classified. So 10%. She signed a memo on 2011 advising all State Department employees that due to recent targeting of personal email accounts by online adversaries, state employees should avoid conducting official department business from their personal email accounts. Hillary Clinton signed that document while at the same time using personal email accounts to do official business. How does that not, how does that not go to intent? The intent that Comey pretended needed to be necessary in order to prosecute her when in fact the standards gross negligence, but that's another argument. She was warned and Judicial Watch found the documents. It was Judicial Watch, our investigative team, our legal team that found the documents that showed that she was warned repeatedly about her email practices as being unsecure. She did it anyway. In fact, she told other State Department employees not to do what she was doing. Imagine being on a jury hearing that. Under Secretary of State Management for Management Patrick Kennedy, who I think was involved in this cover-up, had sent a memo to all senior State Department officials on August 28, 2014, in which Kennedy included excerpts from the Foreign Affairs Manual that said only classified information, that said classified information must be sent via classified email channels only. Now that was after I think she left. But that's standard, it was a standard line in the Foreign Affairs Manual. Obviously, classified information should only be sent on secure channels. And Hillary Clinton knowingly violated that rule. Other documents show that the State Department was playing fast and loose with the classification issue because there was a, this is what I've, I, I've reviewed virtually, I think I've reviewed all the Clinton emails and it's pretty clear to me that the State Department specifically did not classify documents that otherwise should have been classified. Did you hear me? They were under-classifying materials at the State Department 
in my view, in order to help Hillary Clinton avoid political and legal damage from having so much classified information on her system. And sure enough, these documents confirm that emails that were withheld under the classification setting, it's B1 typically, they were still, the material was still withheld, but they changed the reason for the withholding to another reason. That was not classified. It was B5, which is deliberative process, which is just means that you can't see our internal deliberations. When in fact, originally it was classified. So they were downgrading the classification of Hillary's emails, as I say, to protect her. Confirmation of that here. Classified information here about Benghazi was found. Jake Sullivan, who we are deposing next week. A request for travel dated November 2015 shows that the FBI dispatched special agents to Spain and Bahrain to conduct interviews in the mid-year exam, which was the name for Hillary Clinton's email, scandal, investigation, regarding a sensitive intelligence matter. Why did the FBI go to Bahrain and Spain to investigate Hillary Clinton's emails? Did it have anything to do with the Clinton Foundation? I don't know. Why do I ask that question? Because I suspect it may have something to do with the Clinton Foundation. Because uh, we, had other fa- we had materials from her secret email system that show that the Crown Prince of Bahrain was going through the Clinton Foundation to try to get a meeting with Hillary Clinton. And Bahrain was a big partner of the Clinton Foundation. So is this tied to that trip to Bahrain? I'd be very interested to know. And of course, the letters show that the Clinton lawyers were buddy-buddy with the FBI and DOJ. They were running the show, not the other way around. See, if you're Paul Manafort or... Someone like that, you get a raid, right? But if you're Hillary Clinton, your lawyers get to destroy classified information, destroy evidence, tell others not to talk about destroying evidence. Your lawyers get immunity, even if they're witnesses in the case. The, different, the disparate treatment between Hillary Clinton and Trump and his people highlights the corruption under the Justice Department and the FBI of, of, under the Obama administration. Unbelievably political. So there's a lot here, and it shows you why Attorney General Barr needs to get moving forward on this Clinton email issue. It's been two years, over two years, and the Justice Department has remained silent on the corruption of the Obama Justice Department and the FBI and their cover-up of Hillary Clinton's emails. Do they stand by that decision, or will they reject it? That's the question I have for Attorney General Barr. Now, admittedly, he just just signed up. But we need to know within a few months whether he's going to do anything on Mrs. Clinton. The evidence is overwhelming. I told you recently, just last week or the week before, about new classified materials among the materials that she had deleted or attempted to delete or hide. She took documents that didn't belong to her, and there was classified material that was the government's material, and she tried to delete it. 
and we found out about it. I mean, the FBI knew about it, but they didn't want to tell anyone really about what was going on because, again, they were in the cover-up mode, Peter Strzok and company. So for all the noise about Spygate, the bigger headline, frankly, this week is that Judicial Watch has found smoking gun documents that Hillary Clinton email system was literally, they had evidence of a cover-up. Black and white. You can read it for yourself. So a, a great credit to our lawyers and our investigative team for ferreting out this information and sticking with it. Again, this is the product of years of investigation and litigation by Judicial Watch not by Congress, and it's over the objections of the Justice Department and the FBI. We have to sue to get the records. You know, there's another thing that I've been focused on, I should say focused on, but it's been sticking in my craw since we found out about it 13 years ago. I've been at Judicial Watch 21 years, believe it or not. So I've seen a lot of corruption in government. And during the President Bush administration in 2005, the Federal Reserve set up a program called Directo a Mexico, and it was run out of the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve, essentially, I, I don't want to uh, uh, speak beyond my can on this, but the Federal Reserve is divided up, comprised of Federal Reserve banks regionally, and there's a bank, Federal Reserve Bank based in Atlanta, the regional bank there. So Directo a Mexico was set up by the Federal Reserve Bank of Mexico. Uh, of federal, well, not of Mexico, of the United States. It's a Freudian slip. And it's designed to compete, and it was designed to, def- to compete with private money transfer companies like uh, Wells Fargo and things like that. And uh, the problem with those private transfer companies, and as you might imagine, the remittances issue generally is forget about illegal aliens illegally working and then sending the proceeds of their ill-gotten gains back home. Drug dealers were using this to convey monies from the drug profits back to the cartels in Mexico. So, of course, our government wanted a piece of the action because they were saying, in theory, that it was too, too much money to ask these immigrants to pay through the private sector. So they were using the Federal Reserve that is funded with tax dollars, both directly and indirectly, to subsidize this massive transfer of wealth, mostly by illegal aliens, back home to Mexico. How massive is it? Well, it's been going on now for 13 years. We began the investigation in 2005, and we've begun monitoring it ever since. 33.48 billion dollars in remittances were sent out of the country last year, and a big chunk of it flowed through this Federal Reserve Program. So the U.S. government is largely responsible for the billions of dollars flowing south of the border from illegal aliens. There were 104 million transactions executed in 2018 alone, and that's figures from the Mexicans. Again, it was set up by George Bush under the U.S.-Mexico Partnership for Prosperity. In his first year, it was $20 billion, and now, as I say, it's just increasing every year. It's up near well over 30. And this is a way for illegal aliens, again, to send their ill-gotten cash back home. But why is it ill-gotten cash? Because they're not allowed to work here. And if they are working, they're usually doing it in a fraudulent way using either someone else's ID 
or not paying appropriate taxes on it, all sorts of illegal activity associated with the legal work here. And some of the cash they're getting is for outright illegal activity. How do you think MS-13 gets its money? How do you think the drug cartels get all their money? Do you think it just flows across the border in trucks? Of course not. They use the banking system. Now, President Trump ran against this type of thing, but I have a feeling he doesn't know about this. I really don't, because I'm sure he'd be outraged. Because he proposed a plan to get Mexico to fund the border wall by cutting off the remittance payments to Mexico. It's not Wells Fargo, it's Western Union that does the uh, transfer payments. I'm sure Wells Fargo does too, but it's Western Union that's famous for money transfers. So uh, Trump's campaign had focused on cutting off you know, the transfer payments out of Western Union, uh, but I don't, they didn't mention the Federal Reserve Program. Now, what can be done to stop the bad things from happening here? In the least, they can require proof of citizenship or legal residence in order to use the program. But that's not what the Federal Reserve wants to do. In fact, they specifically market to illegal aliens. And I highlight the fact that we don't ask any questions about your legal status in order for you to use this system. So we have a border crisis, and I, I keep on telling you that the border crisis is so exacerbated. Is, it is made worse by the federal government in so many ways. This crisis has a thousand fathers, fathers as the phrase goes. And the crisis is getting worse and worse and worse. And you can see what the incentives are. You get here, you get benefits, you are allowed to remain if you're in a sanctuary city without fear of being deported or being turned in. You can work, people will look the other way, and if you get cash while you're here that you're not supposed to have, you can get it out of the country with the help of the federal government, the Federal Reserve specifically. The numbers this past month are 92,000, I think, was, were picked up at the border. Our border is out of control. We've lost control of the border, everyone. We've got this Federal Reserve system encouraging illegal activity here in the United States. We have federal court judges. We had a federal court judge just the last week make a ruling that aliens from a country other than Mexico who are having to wait in Mexico to have their asylum claims here in the United States, which I guarantee you are fraudulent, adjudicated, can't be, made to be wait, can't be made to wait in Mexico. We have one U.S. District Court judge in Northern California make that ruling. So the judges are causing this crisis by tearing down the rule of law at the border. The president just fired the head of DHS, Secretary Nielsen. She certainly wasn't solving the problem. President recognizes there's a serious problem on the border, that there's a crisis, and he's thinking of various ways to do it. And he's recognizing that personnel in the DHS aren't doing it. And what's he going to do now? I don't know. I, you know, he's talking about moving more troops to the border. 
He's talking, I, I don't know if he, I don't think he's joking. He wants to actually, rather than just let these illegal aliens go anywhere they want in the country, uh, place them specifically in cities that are thwarting federal law with sanctuary policies. Of course, the left is going crazy there, which I don't understand why, because they like open borders and like illegal aliens. Why wouldn't they want them present in their homes or their hometowns? Every major city, every major city in the country, I'm confident in saying, is a sanctuary city. And when you have sanctuary cities, it just encourages more people to come up here illegally. I've recommended that the DHS can't be relied upon to secure the border anymore. We have to have the military secure the border. And if the, and if the courts are going to be insistent, and I don't think that insistence should be followed, then we should move our troops into Mexico to interdict caravans before they get here so that no one can enter the border illegally or using this asylum abuse to do so. The president can shut down the border. He can stop immigration all across the board with Mexico. He can say no one can get through. He's got to take these steps, I think, consider the strongest possible steps available to him under the law and the Constitution to protect this nation. And the states have independent opportunities under our Constitution to protect themselves in cases of invasion where the federal government refuses to act. And so if you live in a state that's hurt by this, you should be asking your elected officials, what are they doing to repel this invasion? Our republic is at stake, folks. This isn't, this isn't a fight over how much, what the tax rate should be. This is a fight whether we're going to be a sovereign country or not. And Judicial Watch is doing its part by suing to find out what's happening, suing sanctuary cities like in, in San Francisco. <sighs> doing our Freedom of Information Act requests to expose the truth about the illegal alien crisis. Working on election integrity measures that protect us from having aliens both lawfully and unlawfully present voting illegally in our elections. We're fighting the battle on multiple fronts. I'm glad President Trump is thinking seriously about this because at times it seems like he's the only politician doing so. And I just call to you, I call you to take active action as well. Support Judicial Watch, obviously, but call your elected officials and tell them to get on the ball to deal with this threat to our republic. So that's your job for the next week. Figure out who you need to call and call them. Well, with that, I hope you have a good week, good weekend. Um, it's serious stuff we're involved in here, but uh, I hope you're able to enjoy the week nevertheless. And you can be sure that uh, Judicial Watch... Uh, we'll continue to fight on your behalf and fight on behalf of our glorious U.S. Constitution. Thank you very much and have a wonderful weekend. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.